There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and equipping organizations and leaders to do the same for their employees. I bring on guests who have a particular perspective or experience that I think contributes to or expands this conversation. And as a management consultant and social scientist, I draw on the meaning and work research I've been doing over the last 15 years, as well as from my own experience consulting, speaking, and developing workforces across the globe. I'll get to the program in just a moment, but let me thank my sponsor, Recover Mattress. As an athlete and very active professional myself, I know the importance of good sleep. And Recover Mattress is a hybrid mattress designed specifically to improve sleep for muscle recovery for active lifestyles. You can learn more about the story of how this company was founded and the mattresses they make by visiting recovermattress.com. There is no E after the V. And if you decide to buy a mattress, you can enjoy a 50% discount by using the code WOP50, short for working on purpose. 50% off. Last week, if you missed the show live, you can always catch it via recorded podcast. We were on the air with Brian Honorio, who is an entrepreneur and currently the founder and CEO of Proposa, a best-in-class SaaS solution for building stunningly beautiful proposals in half the time. We talked about his journey as an entrepreneur starting his first company at age 24 and what he's learned along the way that fortified him as a business owner. With us this week is Lauren Midgley, a business and franchise consultant, author, and speaker. She's the author of four books, including Awake, Strategies to Increase Profits from the Franchise Owner and Other Insomnia Business Owners, and It's 6 a.m. and I'm Already Behind, 30 Strategies to Get Caught Up in a Crazy Busy World. She's also just launching her podcast, The Business of Profits. She joins us today from Grapevine, Texas, just outside of Dallas. Lauren, welcome back to Working on Purpose. Hello, Elise. How are you? I'm glad to be back. I know. It was so good to see you at the last conference we were at. What was it? Women of Visionary Influence. The two of us were speaking. It was so good to see you again there and reconnect. Um, Love what you're up to, Lauren. Thank you. I am too. I'm passionate about it, actually. (laughs) I know. And and you've been cultivating lots of years of experience. And so as a context for our listeners, let me remind you that we have the the wonderful privilege of having listeners across the globe in various different kinds of capacities and roles. So to start off and just to give them a context for who you are and what we'll be drawing from, will you just share a little bit of your background as as a sales executive and business owner? Sure. So I was a sales executive for a company that was originally an independent distributor network, Elise, and then we ended up franchising the business. And so in my role at that company, I worked there 17 years, um, 12 of them was uh, in the sales arena. One was VP of sales and the other was VP of franchise development. And what franchise development means is that we recruit in franchisees, we help them build their business, train them, and, you know, just focus on what it takes to help them be profitable and successful. And so, it was all about sales, but also, you know, I believe that, you know, you can grow a business, but you can do it unprofitably. So, one of the things that we wanted to make happen was our franchisees would grow the business, but do it profitably so that they would be in business. 
that's ins- and sustained, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you've been off on your own consulting, um, providing your own consulting services for how long? So I've been doing that since 2010, eight years. Eight years, uh-huh. And yeah, and focused on, again, businesses and helping them to look at their profitability, but also the productivity. So I work with business owners directly, as well as their staff, as to, you know, what are they all about in their business, their vision, their mission? What are they getting done? What are they not getting done? What do they need to focus on that would bring uh, the business to the next level? Uh, So sometimes it's what do they need to stop doing? What do they need to start doing? And we look at all of that, assess the business, and then I get involved with the team to implement in the business, you know, to get to impact results. Great. So one of the reasons I wanted to have you back on again, Lauren, is one, we talk a lot on this program about people really pursuing meaningful work, going after their dreams, which of course, I'm, I stand in that place of, of helping people reach for their dreams and, and live an inspired life. And yet at the same time, there's this little thing called profit and actually having money in the bank and actually paying for our bills. And so part of the reason I wanted to have you on is, is to not necessarily ground us back per se, but really give us some tools and resources to, to really stand in that space of being a profitable business, not just one that does really amazing things that inspire us. So I, I want to understand a little bit about that experience that you had. Obviously, you were you were riveted on helping franchise owners become successful and to make money. But you've really created a niche, as far as I can tell, Lauren, in productivity and profitability. So what was it about your experience that governed you to that place particularly? So... Elise, it's interesting that you bring that up because as I looked at our franchise network and the franchisees in it, those that were successful and, uh, let's say, loved their business were those that had figured out uh, how to be profitable, what product lines to focus on, what to embrace, how to go out in the marketplace and find those clients to be profitable. And then, you know, along with that was, you know, they had resources in their business of, uh, you know, people that work for them and or uh, outsourced resources as well. And, you know, I look at it as the CEO's role in that business is to figure out how to use that human capital to the advantage of the business to serve clients to make money. Right, so it's kind of it's kind of a, a step by step process there, right? And so the CEO, if they're uh, not focused on where you know how are people using the t- time for the business uh, to make money, if if you know that's kind of gone astray, then we've got to corral it back in, if you will. It is it truly is a niche, um, and but I believe it's one that kind of goes hand in hand and. And, you know, if we think about the old axiom, Elise, about time and money, right? You know, time we can't make more of, so we've got to use it wisely. It, you know, we're, you know, are those minutes that just happened five minutes ago, they're gone. You and I will never get those back, right? But on the money side, you know, if we, if we are not profitable, we can go make more money, but we need, need to use time and the right resources to go make that happen. So it goes back to that whole axiom of, time is money, money is time, all of that, and, and kind of linking those two together. And so in my business, that's what I really wanted to help business owners get focused on. 
Hmm. Very, very, very important. I know certainly for many, many years that I ran in my own consulting business early on, I made probably every mistake in the book in that way. And then some, I invented them on the fly, those mistakes, if you will, Lauren. So (laughs) one of the things I like to do in this program, as you might remember, is really give our listeners something actionable that they can walk away with, being able to apply what we talk about in their own spaces. And so to that end, what are some of the bigger mistakes that you see franchise and business owners making? What are they doing that's not working for them? In general, if I look across my client base, that your current clients and past clients, it was the fact of being unfocused and overwhelmed and not necessarily realizing where the profits in their business are coming from. I call it the little money machine, right? And so it's 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 kind of stopping and saying, let's look at this business strategically. What are you doing well? What are you doing right? What's working? Um, and, and as we're going to get into, you know, I believe that the profitability of the business and the financial statement that shows those profits, that's the end scorecard, if you will, right? Um, I can't tell you how many businesses I talk to uh, that I'll, I'll ask the question, well, are you profitable? And the que- the answer will come back, I don't know, I, I have to wait until I see my financial statement from my C. CPA. And, you know, my so the mistake that I think a lot of business owners make is that they're not, they don't know their numbers. They're not close to, you know, their business enough to know, you know, are we making, were we profitable this week? Were we profitable this month? Were we profitable this quarter? And if so, where did those profits come from? What kind of client? What kind of product? Uh, you know, how did that all play out to make that happen? And and I call it slice and dice the business. Look at the business from all different angles uh, with a really, truly objective view. And and so the mistake is if, if we're focused on, on too many things uh, or too many products, uh, too many offerings, sometimes we're not profitable on any of them or just a little bit profit in some of them, right? And so that, that review and the strategic look at the business – really does make a difference. It really does. And how often would you recommend then, Lauren, that that business owners look at their strategy and, 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 and their their areas of profitability? So it depends on the business, Elise, and, and it's a good question because like let's say you're a retail business or you're a brick and mortar business, you have a point of sale system, you know what your daily sales are, uh, and and you're you're looking that on an ongoing basis basis, you know what your expenses are on a daily basis. You know, some businesses, you look at it on a daily, truly on a daily basis. Now, do you make big long-term decisions on a daily basis? The answer is no. But then there, then there might be businesses where, uh, let's say, the it's not, not the brick and mortar or it's the not, you know, the daily transaction are not, you know, in a high number, but yet the revenue is big in volume and where the sales cycle is a little bit longer. Something like that might look at a weekly basis, might look at on a uh, monthly basis in order to truly know where where you stand and what, and it's like, you don't want to, you know, right now in 2018 to, to look back at 2017 and say, which we have done to make it a more profitable year, right? I mean, it's an ongoing process and the good businesses, you know, realize that and and are on, 
you know, cyclical review of how are the profits coming into the business. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. It almost it reminds me, of course, of the various things that I've been involved in over the years and have seen is just having really some measure of having like a dashboard, right? So we can yes. kind of see, right, what, where, where, how fast is the car going? Is it close to running out of gas? Um, is the engine about to overheat? You know, <laughs> those kind of things. Right. And um, so I'm, I'm just really curious about that sort of thing when you think about what, what does it take to be able to look at your business in a strategic way and really monitor your activities? Because what I know, certainly from what you said that unfocused overwhelmed feeling uh i I can certainly resonate with that (laughs) yes and uh go ahead uh, i was going to say as an example i was speaking to a business this this morning one of my my clients and she felt that there was one area of her business that she and her partner were very focused on Um, they had a large couple of large clients services on um she had her systems in place she and i you know from the financial standpoint she knew where her business were with that particular client. She knew what the expenses were. Everything was really, really in place um, with that side of the business, or let's call it the line of business, uh, uh, the, the product service that she offered, if you will. As we got talking, she, you know, she said there's another area of our business that we provide a service. We're starting to build it. We want to scale it. But, but Lauren, it is chaotic and it's a mess. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, I said, said, you're going to have a real hard time. Uh, let's say, you know, are you profitable? Well, we really don't know because it's such of a mess, right? And so I said, you know, this other side of the business is doing well. You need to take some time to really truly brainstorm what are the systems you need to put in place to get rid of that chaos, get rid of the mess, sort through it, put some, you know, routines, rules, uh, procedures, policies in place so that it, it you know, runs as well as the other side of the business. And I said, you know, why have you, you know, why is it such a mess? And she said, we just haven't spent the time putting those systems in place and the routines to make that happen. And I said, if you did that, would you be able to sort out pretty quickly, you know, revenue, minus your expenses, where you stand on a profitable basis? And she said, yes. I said, if you did that on a week, could you do that on a weekly basis? Is that of interest to you? Do you need that information on a weekly basis and her answer was absolutely and and it was it was you know her belief was was that we needed to that they needed to see the profitability on a weekly basis to be able to decide do we want to keep taking in those kind of clients offer those types of services and that kind of thing and uh, so for her it was really just creating the systems in place that were not there and causing frustration and overwhelm Mm-hmm. Got it. I, I want to talk more, Lauren, about some of the key decisions that go into those kinds of strategies, et cetera. But let's do this first, just because I want to make sure that's a thorough and a, and a, and a complete conversation. Let's go ahead and grab a, a break really quick, and then we'll come back for that. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Lauren Midgley. She's a business and franchise consultant, author, and speaker on productivity and profitability. She's the author of Awake, Strategies to Increase Profits for the Franchise Owner and Other Insomnia Business Owners, and is soon launching a podcast called The Business of Profits. She joins us today from Grapevine, Texas. We've been talking a bit about her background and a bit about some of the factors that come into and take away from productivity and profitability. After the break, we're talking about key decisions and some key areas that impact profits. Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Lauren Midgley, a business and franchise consultant, author, and speaker on productivity and profitability. She's the author of It's 6 a.m. and I'm Already Behind, 30 Strategies to Get Caught Up in a Crazy Busy World, and is soon launching a podcast called The Business of Profits. So, Lauren, we were talking before the break about some of the decisions that, that business owners might might consider taking, and I wanted to get more in detail about that before we get into some of the areas of, of that impact profits. And so, um, if you could weigh in on what are some of the key business decisions to consider when assessing a business, what should we be looking at? So, I believe that there's seven areas of a business, at least, that really play into and impact our profits. The first is what products slash services are you offering to the market? Second is pricing. Third is people. Fourth is markets. Fifth is acquisitions. Sixth is technology. And the last one is productivity. Okay. I want to really be thorough about those and really kind of bring them to life for people. So go, go for it. Okay, so in the product arena, you know, if, if you're a franchise, you have specific products that you offer to the marketplace based on, you know, your franchise business. But if you're a business owner, oftentimes there might be some adjacent products to your original offering. When you started the business, you, uh, you know, created these products and or services, you went into the market with it, and you've been in business for a while, and, you know, they Things have changed over time. Your customers' needs have changed over time. There might be some adjacent products that make sense to offer to your existing clients. And so it, that might be profitable for your business. And it, let's say it, it where the synergy comes about is those same products, uh, those products are offered to the same client. And so it's, uh, you know, let's say your salespeople can easily present that uh a product set, the new product set, to the same client. It's not necessarily that you need to make new clients uh, with that new product set, but what might be some adjacent products to your business that make sense, that would be add-on, and you go acquire that line, or you go find a source to acquire those products wholesale so that you then can sell them to your, to your clients. I really want to, as much as I can, paint this as a picture for our listeners. Can you give an example of what might be a, an adjacent product area? Like, what's the product first? I mean, what might be an adjacent product area? Okay. So, there are um, uh, massage types of franchises that are out there, right? They came out when the original franchise uh, uh, came out with offering massage therapy to the public. It was primarily just massage, different types of massages, etc. What's now happened in that business 
business is now you walk into a massage franchise and you see that there's a skincare line. You see that there are, are you know, the abilities to, um, you know, uh, get facials, get other types of services because you're there already, if you will. So what happened for those types of franchises, it allowed them to expand their product line. They had to have some inventory as a commitment for that skincare line, if you will. But then they had, you know, individuals, resources that they hired that were the estheticians. So not only did they have the massage therapists, but they had the estheticians. But I, as the client, am coming in to that brick and mortar place anyway for a massage now hmm this might be another add-on product service that I want to utilize I'm already there as a client it's you know convenient for me and for the the franchise owner it allows them to add on that sale deepen the relationship that you know they have with me as the client if you will so it's an adjacent product and it just makes sense Got that. Beautiful. That was beautifully illustrated. That kind of really brings it to life for us. Okay. Pricing. Pricing. Pricing is a tough one because what happens that I see, at least, is most small business owners do not want to increase prices. So let's say they started their business five years ago, products and services. They figured out what the pricing, their pricing strategy was at the time. Um, they may not have taken price increases through the years, but in fact, their expensive have, expenses have increased. So that's one area is like, is there some uh, availability in your pricing strategy to increase prices to clients um, that, in, that would make sense? I mean, clearly you're not going to do price gouging, but you know that, that's just one area. When was the last time that you took a legitimate price increase? And again, that's offsetting potentially on the other side increased expenses and you know if there weren't increased expenses the the increase in that price of the product uh, would fall to the the profitability line um, the other area is sometimes we will take on a large client and we will give them a special price discounted price to get their business and then three years later you know they've been you know buying our products or've been buying buying our services they you know they're a you know tier one triple a client we love them but we've never really adjusted their original introductory price when they came in and started with us so what i find sometimes is that there's not um, an ongoing pricing review with on a client by client basis Uh, and again it depends on the business but again looking at are there some prices that need to be adjusted started out with an introductory price, and with three years later, we're still giving them the introductory price. So that those are just a couple examples on the pricing. Well, and then too, I would think, and this is something that I, I, I hear my clients talk about too, and some of these are you know middle, middle medium-sized companies all the way up to very large companies, um, deciding, determining what that price is. It's got to be a whole other art in and of itself. Absolutely. Mm. It is. And, 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 and it, again, is it, you know, taking the cost and you know using a multiplier by it or is it coming at it in a different way of you know what are the competitors are doing or is it looking at here's my my product and service and in and i'm going to price it higher in the marketplace because i want to be seen as a premium priced entity and i'm willing to you know provide the 
value and the add-on, let's say, services and benefits that, you know, the clients are looking for for that solution, if you will. Pricing is a huge area that truly, truly impacts profitability. And I will tell you, give an example, is a restaurant. If they have their their pricing on their menus too low, right, Um, chances are they're not going to be around for very long because they're just not going to be able to make it. Pricing Mm -hmm. is a key key area on profitability. I totally understand that. And we we could devote probably a whole uh, episode to pricing. In fact, I did interview somebody sometime back on value-based pricing. So we'll, we'll... sidekick that for a little bit because I want to make okay. sure and get through the rest of all these as, as well. But the third thing, because I took notes, as you mentioned, or you talked, people. Yes. People. So people um, are huge in the sense that, it, you know, I, I kind of put people into two categories. One is the internal staff that are reporting to you in, as a business owner and your outsourced vendors, let's say, that are reporting to you as well. But they're all helping you to... Uh, create that that value in the marketplace and then the other category on people is truly your clients and customers but the the area I want to touch on here is um, oftentimes we'll make decisions to hire someone and they come in and they let's say may not have a clear direction on their roles and responsibilities but they come in and decide how they want to do the job and over time you as the owner allow that to happen but then you become dissatisfied with their performance with you become dissatisfied with the job not getting done or you know they're they're kind of off on tangents that you really don't want them to be on and so people uh, is it's a huge asset for the business but on the other hand it's a huge expense or can be anyway and impact profit if you don't have the right people in place. I find oftentimes that small business owners are you know, hesitant to make decisions uh, and or confront poor performance um, and have a conversation about performance. And But yet, all of that can impact profitability in a huge way. I mean, just think about, think about the last time you went into a store and, you, in fact, I just had this this afternoon afternoon where the, the employee, you went into this establishment, and the employee gave you some attitude, if you will, and but it's a, a place that you love going to, you love their products, you love their services, but this employee just kind of left a bad taste in your, your mouth and you walk out the door and it, in your impression of that business is different than when you walked in. You walked in and positive, you walk out as a client negative. So the question is, do you have people in your organization that are, let's say, you know, uh, not representing your company in the way that you truly want it represented? And, you know, I think there's a difference between someone that needs information as an employee to do their job well versus someone that, you know, and, and they're trying, right, and they have a great attitude versus someone who, you know, they may know how to do their job well, but they have an attitude and it comes across to your clients in a negative way. 
Mm-hmm. Very quick, I just wanted to present this for our listeners. I was having a conversation with a small business owner who provides um, services, certainly above above board services, but I want to say what kind, because um, I might actually identify them. But they're in, they're in Denver, uh-huh. and and she was saying, you know, I really have a problem with one of my key employees, but I'm so scared to do anything about it because the labor market is so tight. I'm afraid I can't find anybody to backfill this person, and I just sort of put up with it. And a lot of times, do his job because I'm fearful. You know. 3.8% unemployment rate in the United States that I can actually find anybody, you know, in a timely manner to backfill him. So certainly recognize that the, the people part of the equation, and that's a big reason I'm in the business that I'm in, is incredibly problematic for small business owners or any Absolutely. business owner for that matter. Absolutely. So you, if you think about what you just said is she's doing some of his work anyway right now. That's right. right? And, and so, it, you know, it's, taking her time away from the productivity of you know other areas that she should be minding in her business she's doing it anyway if she in fact again it's confronting the performance first give the person an opportunity to correct behavior and kind of get back on board if they don't then you know what would be the worst that would happen if she were to you know terminate that individual she would have a an impact in her profitability during that time when that person was not in place, um, but if she's doing the work anyway, uh, you know it maybe it's it's the right move for her to make. Mm. Uh, I, I've seen I've seen business owners that will keep somebody who is impacting the rest of the team, kind of a cancer in the business, if you will, and just be really hesitant to take an action. Mm-hmm. When they take that action, after they take that action, and and they dig into what you know was left behind by that person it's wow i wish i had done this six months sooner nine months sooner right you know totally get that totally get that lauren okay um next big one seems to me markets yes so markets i mean and and again markets can be defined as whether it's a specific uh, demographic market or it could be defined as a geographic market so let's assume you're in the business here in let's say the dallas area but you know there's another large market you know we have two large markets that are not too far from this particular geographic area austin is maybe three hours away uh houston might be four or five hours away you know what would it take to expand into those markets if the dallas market is going well for you and you find opportunities in the in those other areas and and, and really, that kind of lends itself into expansion or acquisitions. But it, it's, you know, it's looking at, could I expand my business into other markets? Um, and again, I'm, I'm speaking more on the geographic side. Um, on the demographic side, it's if you have a certain product service that's geared toward, let's call it the general public, if you will, um, is there a way to niche down into a market? Maybe, you know, maybe what you have in your massage therapy, and again, recently saw this, was that in your massage therapy business, um, there were lots of posters and signs about arthritis. Well, then you're clearly going after a demographic market of, let's say, the baby boomers that might be experiencing that. Um, But, you know, those signs and that marketing helps kind of, you know, expand into that market that you may not have been as niched into. 
This reminds me, Lauren, so much of a conversation I had with Bill Lee several, several months ago about how he's created a few businesses. And it was just simply by listening to his customers or even even prospects talking about their points of pain and what they needed and going, oh, I could I could address that. I could solve that. So it seems to me that some of these ways of being able to expand our business via either demographic or geographic markets is simply to listen to or ask, inquire, inquire as to what our, our clients need or and aren't getting from us right and and but and here's the here's the counterbalance to that too elise is if that if it defocuses our total business then we may not want to do it because that could impact profitability but if it focuses our but if it focuses our business and we're already kind of doing we're in the mode we have systems we have people in place already it it makes a lot of sense to do it and again it's a strategic decision you know, coupled with some marketing and, you know, some training, development of staff, all of, you know, and it can happen. And uh, it, it really does make sense. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then again, like everything else we've been saying in this conversation, there's an art and science to making these decisions, which, of course, we don't have time to go into at this point. But uh, so much goes into these decisions. And I understand that. I think just presencing these areas, these key, key areas is, is a terrific value to our listeners. So this is good stuff. Thank you, Lauren. You're welcome. You ready for the next one, which I think if I can read my handwriting, acquisitions? <laughs> acquisitions and or expanding the business. So I'll give you an example. Um, I worked with a young lady who owned a haircutting uh, a franchise. And she had started probably about eight years ago with her first one. Absolutely loved it. She did well and was uh, very profitable in uh, her in her trading area if you will. She decided about two years ago to acquire three more. And she acquired three more with the thought that it would, you know, she you know, knew, had the systems down in place. And here was the downside to it. The downside was she kind of grew too quickly and she spread herself too thin with three acquisitions all, all at once within a two-year period of time, if that yep. makes sense. Sure does. So the so the applauding part was yes acquisitions is you know go to go from one unit to a second unit or from one store to another store I mean it, that it creates those economies of scale which is going to help you with profitability but you know, it it does need to be measured and it does you have to realize and this kind of brings in that whole productivity piece is how much time do you have available do you have the right people and or managers in place that you can delegate to. And and the reality in this situation, she didn't have the, you know, the the managers that she could move right into those three stores. So she was burned out and and she wasn't as as profitable in those three stores as she was the first one. Ultimately, you know, it sorts itself out, but there's a lot of heartache and angst. So acquisitions are really important. Second area of acquisitions I always like to help a business look at is, is there somebody in your marketplace that looks just like you? Likely it's a competitor, um, but let's say they're getting on in years and they don't have a succession plan in place and, you know, and or, you know, their kids don't want to be in the business uh, and you approach them and say, you know what, Sally, when you're ready to sell your business, I would love to talk to you. And now Sally's probably going to take two, three years to think about that uh, in terms of getting ready to sell their business. But um, if it if it's a business that looks just like you you can handle those clients you've got the back office ready to go uh, and you might need just some additional resources it's an awesome way to uh, to really bring 
and some incremental sales beyond, you know, just your organic growth. Mm. I think that is a very powerful point, and it requires kind of having your head up, if you will, so you can see the forest for the trees. I want to talk a bit more about all of these points and finish the last two, but let's go ahead and grab a quick and last break here, if we can, Lauren. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We're on the air with Lauren Midgley, a business and franchise consultant, author, and speaker on productivity and profitability. She's the author of Awake, Strategies to Increase Profits for the Franchise Owner and Other Insomnia Business Owners, and is soon launching a podcast called The Business of Profits. She joins us today from Grapevine, Texas. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Lauren Midgley, a business and franchise consultant, author, and speaker on productivity and profitability. She's the author of It's 6 a.m. and I'm Already Behind, 30 Strategies to Get Caught Up in a Crazy Busy World, and is soon launching a podcast called The Business of Profits. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. So before the break, Lauren, we were talking about those seven key areas that impact profits, and we were on acquisition and expansion. I didn't know if you wanted to say anything more about that one before we turn to number six, technology. The only comment I would finish up with on the acquisitions is that is a way to catapult your business to, uh, again, acquiring customers and cash flow so that when you're ready to sell, you have, you know, a significantly bigger business. Uh, and that can be that can be powerful, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. Some smaller businesses, you know, there may not be enough interest from your, you know, potential buyer. So it's 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 a strategic decision to help your business look bigger and better as well, and then ultimately um, impact profits. Mm-hmm. So moving into uh, technology is the next area is technology, and and what I would say here is that you know there are in this country a fair amount of what I would call just services businesses that are traditional in our community. It could be the painters, the plumbers, the electricians. It could be you know the AC guys um, that, you know, are really, you know, a big part of uh, what happens, you know, in our homes and in our communities. But some of these businesses have been, were started, you know, 20, 30 years ago or more, and they're still doing um, a lot of their processes in a manual way. So, my question for those business owners is to say, you know, can you align yourself with a 20-something, 30-something, who's comfortable with technology that can come in and take a look at your business and determine how to streamline some of your processes so that, you you know, let's call it, I call it the the drawer, the four-drawer file full of customer folders, right, (laughs) where there have been, where there have been services and products that have been delivered, your gold mine is in that four-drawer filing cabinet. And not only is there just one, Elise, there might be 10 in those kind of offices. They kept great records, but they're all paper now, 
And so how does that get converted and, you know, ultimately streamlined with technology? It's out there. And sometimes, you know, those of us that have been in business a long time, we don't have the energy to go make that happen. But you, it's hireable to bring in, uh, you know, somebody who's very comfortable with technology to make to streamline the business. And P.S., all of that adds to profitability, can increase customer revenue and, uh, you know, just make your business much more attractive for sale when you're ready to make that happen. Mm. That is really stellar advice in my view. Not like, not that the rest of this hasn't been as well, but certainly I think about in my own life how I use technology and consume technology and how reticent I tend to be to change it. And I just have done the same thing over and over again. And I recognize that business owners do the same thing at the detriment of their client acquisition and service. I totally get that. Yes, yes. Last one is productivity. Productivity, and the way that I look at this if from a business owner standpoint is most reasons why people get into business for themselves is to have flexibility and freedom. And yet, when you speak to business owners, how's that going? They'll answer, well, you know, <laughs> I haven't had a vacation in two years or more. Uh, you know, my business is chaos. I'm working working 14 hours a day. I always work weekends. I mean, all of those the, all of those comments I hear, Elise, and it breaks my heart because it's one of those things of saying, you know, take a look at your time and take a look at the resources that you have, you know, let's call it revenue money that you have to, to buy to either hire as a staff person or an independent contractor. And where do you need to spend the money in your business so that you have the time to, you know, be that visionary in your business and not be doing the minutiae and working in the weeds. And, you know, when I approach business owners on that, you know, I'm trying to really truly elevate their vision of who they are in their business. They're the CEO, they're they're the president, they're the visionary, they're responsible for the human capital and the capital to make that business run. But, But they don't have to be, you know, sweeping, you know, the floor of the of the shop, if you will, right? And and but that's what happens. And so it's how how can you use your time most effectively for the role that you have in your business? Mm-hmm. I really, really appreciate that. I was just uh, last week when I was talking with Brian Honorio, he was talking about how in the beginning he he literally would be on vacation when he did get away, and the whole time he was gone, he was working on proposals and responding to clients and handling issues, etc. And so I couldn't agree more. Helping a business to really focus on being productive, so as to have that flexibility and freedom, is just so important, so that they're running the business. The business isn't running them. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And- there's lots of ways to look at that, if you will. Um, is your team productive? Is Are they not? What do they need to do? Um, what's your mindset as the owner? Um, you know, are, are there boundaries where you say, you know what, I'm uh, it's a weekend and I'm not going to be working. You know, I'm going to have start and stop times. Uh, and, 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 and you really hold to that. And I think a lot of times we need to actually do less and not more, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Because we're, we're, we're more productive and we're doing better with with that limited um, effort, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, that's going to bring us to this next piece that I wanted to talk with you about, Lauren. In our first conversation, we were ta- we were chatting about what could we talk about to really help our listeners today. One of the things that you mentioned was that being able to focus on which of these areas can we impact profits quickly in. So of the, what we've been saying so far, what would you say to that? How could a business owner start to look at what they're up against here to impact profits quickly? So I think the first place to look at 
out of the seven that I've described, the first place to look is pricing and, and truly look at, um, you know, is your pricing strategy correct for your market and your clients at this time? If not, what do you need to do to make adjustments, right? So that that can be a quick fix, if you will, to improve profitability. Um, and it may just something that it may be just something that needed to be done in your business. Um, the franchise franchise that I came from, we truly had annual price increases for our products. Our clients knew that there was going to be an annual price, and it just and it was our way of keeping up with the market, but also keeping up with you know increasing expenses. So that's the that's the quick fix. I think the important uh, one out of all the seven that I spoke about is truly zeroing in on the people in your business. And that's a long term. Um, it, it, it's not a quick fix, but you know there might be some quick fixes when you look at, um, I call it stack rank your staff in t- terms of their performance. Who are your top performers? Who are the um, rising stars that are kind of in the middle, but they've got lots of potential? And then if you've got some unproductive people, it, it, it really, truly requires that you make that decision and you make those replacements because it is impacting your profits. Um, but ultimately, long-term on people is the best, the best uh, I believe, antidote uh, is, you know, just developing your people and honoring them. And, you know, I, liked, I had one business owner tell me, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this really made a lot of sense. These people that I've hired in my business are helping me realize my dream. Oh, that's just and profound. I know. And it was like, it was, you know, it, she happened to have been a professional. Um, and she she said, I have these people that, you know, I would not be in business. I can't do this alone. I need these people. And, you know, I, I have always dreamed of having a business. I've hired these individuals. And I, I need to honor and respect them and their talent, their competencies, because they're helping me achieve my dream. And, and that kind of goes code for they're helping me get flexibility. They're helping me with my freedom. They're helping me create an asset that somewhere down the road I can sell. Oh, that's beautiful. And I really appreciate how you present that. I, I have another colleague here in town. She's not quite a, a client yet, but hopefully she will be, who speaks about her people in the same way. And it's just really lovely. Um, we are very rapidly running out of time here already, uh, Lori. I can't believe how fast time flies. Um, you know the show is about helping listeners across the globe more meaningfully and productively connect with their work and also really equipping leaders to do the same, to be able to develop their employees. With that in mind, what would you like to leave our listeners with? I think that I'd like to leave the listeners with that it's your profitability and your productivity matters. And it's one of those things that you have to decide intentionally that it's time to look at that. And, and then make the st- strategic decisions that make sense um, with regard to those areas that we described today. If the profits are not there and you're not clued into how to make your business profitable, you, you know, you're not going to sustain that business. And, and, you know, all your hopes and dreams and investments, your family, people around you, I mean, all of that is impacted. I always like to say, at least I hate driving down the road. You know, and there was a business that I really liked and I liked going to. And then one day I pull up and I look at the business and there's this little half sheet, eight and a half by five and a half white piece of paper taped to the door. And, and you go, you look at it you're like, oh my gosh, there's 
you know, cars here. What happened? And you walk up to that business and, you know, it's, we're no longer in business, you know, whatever it might be. Next thing you see is the for lease sign on that business. And you, you think about it, like, what happened? It looked like they were doing well. It looked like they had lots of customers. You know, where where did they go wrong? Where did they not, you know, make the right decisions? And right. that's why I believe decisions and profitability are so tied together. Beautiful way to finish, Lauren. Thank you so much for joining us today and lending us your wisdom and all your experience. It's been great to have you back on. Thanks, Elise. If you want to learn more about Lauren Midgley or her books, her speaking, her podcast, visit her website. It's laurenmidgley.com. L-A-U-R-E-N-M-I-D-G-L-E-Y.com. See you next week. Remember that work is at least one third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, each week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work.